Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. As we have noted, Easter is a season that lasts 50 days in the church. And you might not have grown up in a church like this, but it's similar to like the 12 days of Christmas, yeah? The 12 days of Christmas are not the 12 days that lead up to Christmas, it's the 12 days after Christmas. Because in the church, Christmas is a 12-day party. Well, so it is with Easter. If for no other reason, then, if we're going to spend 40 days in the wilderness of Lent, by God, we are going to party in the promised land of resurrection for at least 50 Now, the past two Sundays have had surprising Easter proclamations. The first Sunday of Easter, Jesus instructed Mary, don't hold on to me, and then gave her an assignment to go and proclaim his resurrection to the apostles. Mary, the apostle to the apostles. Mary, the preacher to all Easter preachers after. The second Sunday of Easter, we wondered does God have a body? And we were shocked to discover just how real God's presence is in the resurrected body of Christ, just how real God's presence is in the body of Christ, the church, and just how real God's presence is in the body of Christ, the Eucharist. But today's Easter story confronts us with just how wildly different God's understanding of Easter is than ours. Today's story in Acts of the Apostles is not a story about the Apostle Paul. And it is not a story about Ananias. We always love to co-opt Bible stories that are about God and tell them as if they're about us. But no, this is actually 
yet another story of how Jesus Christ just kept ministering after his resurrection. If you read Jesus' resurrection and ascension as Jesus basically quitting ministry, you're kind of missing the point. The whole point of his resurrection and ascension is that he can now get to any of us, anywhere, anytime he wants. And we live in a time when American Christianity keeps encouraging us to get in touch with our spiritual journey or really kind of get in line with our discovery of the divine, pitching to us the perennial hope that we're always one good prayer, poem, or practice of the presence of God away from that godly peace. Get out there and find God. You can discover God if you try hard enough. Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, but Easter is not about our discovery of God. Easter is about God's discovery of us, especially those of us who weren't all that interested in finding out what God was really doing in the world. We like to say, Happy Easter. I greeted some of you this morning with the phrase, Happy Easter. But reading this story, I'm not so sure Paul is having a happy Easter. He was born into the right family. He had the best education available to him. He was a man in a society. Not much has changed. Uh, life was pretty good for him. He had surpassed all the other students. He had joined the ranks of an incredibly influential pressure group who were well known for exploiting others to further their own agenda. And his religious zeal actually intensified. And frankly, he was increasingly radicalized by his faith. And he started taking out his anger toward others who he determined were not keeping the faith as they ought. And he actually became violent against them. Eventually, this young zealot was the leader of a death squad, and he was doing police sweeps, capturing and sometimes overseeing the killing of people that he deemed a religious heretic. Now, one day, that person is on a mission, and it took him out of town, hunting people down, ready to round up the heretics as he saw them, when out of nowhere, Jesus Christ shows up to Paul. And Jesus Christ blinds him, stops him in his tracks, and barks at him. Jesus says, not, why are you harassing these other people? Jesus Christ says, why are you harassing me? Jesus Christ takes the church very personally, apparently. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, revealed God's self totally to Paul and in that moment, you see Paul's very privileged, curated life dissolve. Now, what's interesting to me is what didn't happen in this story. The church did not missionally reach Paul. The church's preaching did not convert Paul. Paul was always in earshot of Christian preaching. And, you know, not once did he go, huh, you know, they've got a point. That actually, that's, that's pretty good. The church's apologetics never convinced Paul of anything. And the church's love did not soften Paul's heart in any way, shape, or form. 
I mean, it's just kind of amazing all of the things that professional Christians like me try to encourage lay people to do from time to time because I think we say that'll make a difference in the world. None of it worked for Paul at all. No, Jesus Christ came to a terrible, wicked sinner like Paul and said, I've got a better vocation for you than this. Stop it. That's it. Jesus didn't go and ask the apostles permission. Jesus didn't run it through the church. Jesus just went after Paul. So I'm not so sure Paul was having a very happy Easter. Frankly, I'm not convinced that Ananias is having a very happy Easter either. Ananias is probably a very mild-mannered religious person just trying to make it week to week and manage all of the multiple realities of work life and love life and familial life and communal life. And Ananias probably just, you know, probably goes to church maybe even twice a month and, you know, tries to say yes when, you know, someone from the church says, could you help out in the liturgy today and tries to pitch something in regularly to the offering plate. And then Jesus Christ shows up with an assignment. Jesus' Easter assignment to Ananias is go. Uh, to, to whom? To Paul. Because I've got an assignment for him and he, 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 he's going to see how much he's going to suffer for my name. Uh, okay, Lord, that does not sound very kind. Um, uh and you can hear it in the story, Ananias is really not all that interested in taking this assignment. I mean, I wonder if you have ever been on the receiving end of an assignment from God that you're just frankly not interested in. Oh, it's just me? Hey, I see. Okay, good. The Acts of the Apostles continues to tell stories about Jesus Christ ministering in the world and then turning around to the church and saying, anytime you want to catch up with what I'm doing, that would be great. I mean, this is the only theological way I know how to make sense of 2,000 years of church history. We keep falling short, and we keep not listening to what Jesus Christ is actually doing in the world. We have to catch up. Uh, Lord, maybe, maybe I heard wrong, but it sounded like you said you wanted me to go to Paul. I've heard about that guy, and frankly, I don't want anything to do with an evil, wicked person like him. I don't want to be in the same room with him. No. I don't even know if I necessarily have that strong of a theology of sin, but I know for sure that guy's a sinner. Jesus says, look, we don't need to get ourselves all worked into a Jonah situation here. You just need to go. There's a house. Paul's in it. And you'll find him. He'll be the one in the corner sucking his thumb like a baby, praying with everything he's got because I blinded him for three days and you need to go in there. You need to throw some baptismal water on him and resurrect him because like I said, he's been in there for three days. You need to go resurrect him and then give him a meal. I wonder what meal that might've been. See, this is, this is the Easter message and it's a warning. People who get into proximity with Jesus Christ at Easter, they always get an assignment. They always get a calling. They always get a vocation. I mean, I actually do believe that you have a unique and beautiful offering to this world. There's some kind of combination of who you are and what you can do that bears witness to God's beautiful work in the world. Jesus Christ has ministry for you to do. 
And you might not have grown up in the Episcopal Church, but the Episcopal Church, we actually say that everyone who's been baptized is a minister. I mean, I will never forget the Sunday that Emily was baptized, and as soon as she got out of the font to go dry off, Bishop Ryan said, I don't know where you're going, but, you know, your ministry starts right now. Hold this bulletin. (laughs) It was the most amazing, like, example of what it means to be baptized. You get a calling. You get a vocation. And God's really not all that interested in whether or not you're clergy or not. If there ought to be clergy, it's so that we can support everyone else in their ministry in living into God's calling in the world. The relationships that you have, the job that you are working, the research that you are studying, the art that you are making, the hobbies that pass your time, the relationships that you enjoy, all of these are opportunities for you to bear witness to the loving, liberating, and life-giving God in Jesus Christ. And the difference that you make in the lives of others and in this world by who you are and what you do, that's what Jesus Christ is calling you to be. Vocation is about your calling. Not necessarily your employment. Sometimes careers can be callings. But honestly, sometimes a career is just a career. Furthermore, as comforting as it is sometimes to think that our vocation is what happens when our deepest happiness meets the world's greatest hunger, Jesus Christ kind of breaks into that and says, "Uh, no, I've got work for you to do. And I don't really know what it is that you thought your life was going to be about, but I'm here to tell you that the trajectory is about to change. And you're about to spend a whole lot of time with people that, frankly, you wouldn't have picked to spend with had you been left to your own devices. We have a God who summons us. I mean, if you dare to read the Bible, you will discover story after story after story of a God who discovers people with perfectly fine lives until God showed up and said, come over here instead. God calls us. God commissions us. Friend of our church, Will Willeman writes, vocation is not an inner inclination awaiting discovery by rooting around in the recesses of our ego. No, God comes to us and invites us to come along. My dear sisters, brothers, and siblings, God is working in you and through you, and if need be, in spite of you, to bring the new creation that began at Easter to bear in this world. And believe me, there are people in this room who have discovered that God's discovery of them is vastly more interesting than their discovery of God. Some of you have volunteered to serve on ministry teams, and you have discovered that was the inch that God needed to get a hold of your life. Some of you have done really big and scary things that everyone seemed like on paper that was wild. But you couldn't shake the fact that a living God was inviting you into a calling. Some of you now visit the incarcerated. None of you would have asked to take on working another COVID unit in the hospital, but you did because you were called into it. You are gently guiding the children or the adults in your care In all of this, Jesus Christ is working in the world through you. And if you don't know where to begin to hear how Jesus Christ is calling you into ministry, look around this room. I promise you, and I'll give names if I must, there are people in this room who can talk to you about the way that they are responding to the living God's work in their lives. There are people in this community who have discovered, usually in retrospect, 
that the path that God actually opened up for them wasn't exactly the path they would have picked for themselves. But that's the difference between our Easter and God's Easter. Easter is about Jesus Christ continuing the loving, liberating, and life-giving ministry of new creation. And there is not a sinner among us who Jesus Christ is unwilling to co-opt into this vocation. So don't say that I didn't warn you. You can find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.